What if I was like, let's do a vocal warm up? Gross. Let's do it. Okay, teach me a vocal warm up. <laughs> red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow. Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, red leather, yellow. That's really hard. Yeah. What about how now, brown cow? Do people do that? Oh no, brown cow. I, I I had a boyfriend in high school that would go. He thrusts his fists against the post and still insists he sees the ghost. That's the one that I really remember. Ooh, that didn't last past graduation. Yeah, I wonder why. Welcome to another episode of Black Frasier. <laughs> As always, it's your host, Phoebe Lynn Robinson, and I'm joined in the studio mm-hmm. by my co-producer, me editor. Me editor? Uh-huh. The love of my stinking life, British Bloody Bake Off. How are you doing, love? I'm doing swell. Great. I mean, thanks for making the effort today. I am wearing a robe that I stole from the Equinox Hotel, and I'm not shy about it. For those who are watching the uh, <laughs> YouTube video, she's made 100% effort. Okay, my hair looks so good. It does look really good, actually. Corn Rose by Sabrina Rowe. Just saying. She's my style. Mm-hmm. She's not my style. It's my hairstylist. I'd like to point out as well yes. that I made an executive decision all by myself and I'm actually wearing underwear this week. You guys, if you listened to last week's episode... I got cussed the fuck <laughs> out. Well, you were out here just slanging that D all over the place. <laughs> <I> was not. <laughs> and so I'm glad you stepped up yeah. and put your bangers and mash in a Tupperware container. <laughs> Anyway, today's episode. I just want to go on the record that you brought up your dick and balls. I, I did. did I needed to address mm-hmm. after last week's shaming. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't shaming, you guys. <laughs> okay, seriously, we are winding down the year 2020. Oh, my. Thank God it's nearly over. Get the fuck out, 2020. Right. Seriously, pack your knives and go as Padma Lakshmi, star of. Top Chef mm-hmm. says, get yes. the fuck out. So we're very glad that 2020 is like, oh, I've overstayed my welcome. And we're mm-hmm. like, yeah. So it's leaving. And I'm really excited because we have, I think we have really wonderful episodes to close out. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. keeping on track of just conversations that make people feel good, which I love. Oh, you're so cute. Did you do your hair today? 
I did actually. Yeah. Why mm-hmm. does it not look it's like I did? It's just like you're giving me Farrah Fawcett with the like at the ends. It's like really fanned out. Well, that's the stuff I can't control. <laughs> I know it looks like I've been wearing curlers all day. But... <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> but I assure you, I have not been. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't want to roast you too much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Speaking of thanks, it's Thanksgiving week, you guys. I know. First of all, the holiday is trash. It's a... Because your people came here... Right, right. ...with some dusty-ass blankets and some muskets, and you fucked up a lot of shit. I apologize for that. (laughs) Um, It's about time (laughs) that you apologize. It's a holiday I'm not too familiar with. So what do you what do you freaking Brits do? We don't do anything for Thanksgiving. It's not a holiday at all. So what do you do? Like, do you like when you lived in the UK and you yeah. were just like, oh, look at all these silly Americans with their turkeys? And I'd their be watching stuff. Friends on the Thanksgiving episode and being oh. like, oh, this is yeah. an American thing. Let's yeah. just go back to our soccer and pubs. Soccer? You calling it soccer now instead of football? Oh my god! For the for the years of living in the US, I have to like switch because there's so many people that when you say the football, they're like, yeah. "Oh, what you had?" Yeah, and they speak what the Cincinnati sausages or whatever the football teams are. Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, See, those- bangers. <laughs> Bengals. I know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Thanksgiving, Black Friday, people are going to go cray. Black Friday is a crazy thing to me still. Yeah. And it's spread worldwide now, which is the even crazier thing. I know, right? But here's the thing, you guys. We've been trying to get... I Bake Off already knows this. I've been trying to get him a freaking PS5 for his birthday. He's very good like that. Like a solid month. Every time I go online... I know. But that's not because of Black Friday. Friday. But it's in the cart, and then I go to checkout, and then they're like, we're sold out. And I'm like, but you can't because I put it in the cart. Yeah. Yep, they do that. And I feel like I'm going to try and get a PS5 on Black Friday. Ain't going to happen. I'm just going to warn you now that it's not no. going to happen. You don't think I have a show? No, honestly, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else do you want for your birthday? Honestly... I feel that we're in a very fortunate position mm-hmm. where both you and I have what we need and we can't, we possibly can't need any more YouTube books for sure. I don't need any more video game stuff. Why do you have to bring you two into it? Because that's the thing you buy the most. Should we go back to today's episode? Yes. And you know what? You're getting nothing for your birthday. Just a big old goose egg of nothing. Zero. Zilch. Wow. Nada. Okay. Zero. Zero. Nothing. <laughs> I think you made your point. Okay, you guys. Breaking news. We have merch. Mm. And we partnered with um, Fenty. <laughs> we did not. Disclaimer. <laughs> We did partner with Fenty on these limited editions. You're going to get sued the fuck out of. Do you think if, but if Rihanna knew who I was, A, and then she listened to this podcast, B, 
I think she would be like, Phoebe's Bake Off collabs, let's go. What would be your name of your makeup? Savage Beauty. Mm. Mine would be Oops. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so you guys, in all seriousness, we didn't partner with Venti. Sorry that you guys believe that, yeah. that I was so convincing. Mm -hmm. But we didn't. This is an independent podcast with independent merch. Yes. So go to PhoebeRobinson.com slash merch. Get your T-shirt. Get your sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. Size small to triple XL. And you need something cozy for the holidays. When you are... Basically, everyone's like not supposed to travel for Thanksgiving. No. So you're going to feel sad, but this sweatshirt will cheer you up. It's very soft and very warm. Mm -hmm. I had to roll my sleeves up on mine because I got too warm in it. That's cute. So go to PhoebeRobinson.com slash merch. And then breaking news, part two. Second order of business. We have a little sponsor whoop, whoop. for this episode. And you know what? I feel like, you know, in Sex and the City, when Carrie's just like, maybe I'm just not to be tamed. I'm like so wild and no one can like, you know, hold me down or whatever in right. a relationship. And then she ended up with Big. Uh, so this yeah. whole episode, this whole like season, I'm like, I don't need no sponsors. I'm an independent woman. I, think I do it for myself. And then Bolden was like, hey, boo. And I was like, yes. But the difference is, it's partnering with a company that, has the same beliefs and is about the message that we put across. It's right. not just squirrel box or <laughs> blue apron or <laughs> all these other companies that are yeah. just like, we need to get our marketing out there any way possible. It's actually about partnering with a company that supports black businesses, which yeah. is super important. Also it's squirrel, not squeal. Squirrel. And it's zebra, not zebra. Zebra. <sighs> So boldenusa.com. <laughs> you guys, Bolden is my go-to for my facial cleanser. I've been using it for a year and a half. And I got to say, if you're watching this on YouTube, I look damn good. I have no makeup on, but I wash my face with Bolden. And they have all kinds of products. They have um, overnight spot treatments, which I need because I still have, I still have hyperpigmentation. It has definitely lessened in the past couple of years. But that's been like a great thing for me to feel more confident in my skin. Because there was like a long time where like I hated to like, like two years ago, I would not have done this without makeup on because I, sure. yeah. I would have felt like so embarrassed by my skin. So they have like tons of things. They have um moisturizer. They have sunscreen, which is really important. Mm -hmm. I think it's an SPF 30, which mm -hmm. is great. Um, because I mean, we're not out in the sun that much. So when you go out, you just throw that on and you go run your errands and you feel good. Um, so if we have a special code which is mm -hmm. bf20 20 percent off for our listeners so i'm just saying bolden is like the best you could follow them on instagram the name is bolden usa that's b as in boulder oh. o as in opulence you're gonna spell it right this week uh there is no u it's l i'm just waiting to see what happens B as in boulder o as in opulence l as in lancaster D as in Deuteronomy. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> e as in Eclipse. Yeah. 
N as in necrophilia. I'm so sorry. Oh. You started off so well on this one as well, and then it's just really, really gone to shit, isn't it? Um, you as in you two. S as in scripture. Mm-hmm. A as in advice. Dot com. Yes. Bold in USA, baby. Get your skin together for the winter. Keep it nice and clean, clear, fresh, glowy, dewy, and youthful. They also have like a cute five-minute mask. Oh, brilliant. It's a hydrating mask. You know, sometimes these masks want to be like, put it on for 45 minutes. It's like, I ain't got time for that, even though I do. <laughs> I ain't got time for that. Yes. So this is a five-minute mask. BoldingUSA.com. Get your stuff. The code is BF20. Okay, you guys. Today's guest. Okay, so this theme, because it is Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. as Adele likes to say, um, because <laughs> I talk to her all the time. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, I want to do a thing about family. You know, usually, um, did I say usually wrong? Weirdly? Oh. Okay. No, I don't think so. Usually I'm home in the cleave for Thanksgiving and since I started dating Bake Off, we would do Thanksgiving with my parents. Yeah. Um, but we're not traveling because, you know. No, the world's gone to shit. Yeah. So I just thought that, like, you know, we're all thinking about family, what they mean to us, mm-hmm. like what we would like to change, what we love about our families and our relationships. And so I want to have, like, a great frank discussion about, like, what that all means. And I love our guest. She's like so fantastic. She's so phenomenal and funny and smart and incredible and amazing. Um, great actor. Um, she is going to be in the upcoming In the Heights film, Ooh. which is very exciting. Yeah. Because I <clears throat> I remember it was on Broadway and I was so poor and I couldn't, I never got a chance to see on Broadway. Yeah. So now I'm excited that it's going to be a film. Um, but a lot of you probably know her best from starring in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Of course, I'm talking about Stephanie Beatrice. And we had like the best time. She was so cute and so warm and fun and vulnerable and everything that like she's like the perfect guest for yes. the show, I feel like. Absolutely. Um, so I think this is gonna be a great, great conversation. And I hope you guys really enjoy it. So without further ado. You want to tear up it and show it back off? Here is Phoebe's conversation with Stephanie Beatrice. Oh! Well, hi, Stephanie! Hi! <laughs> Thank you for joining me on Black Frasier. I'm so excited. We got so many questions for you people. Or everyone was like, I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Tell her that I'm a fan. And I'm like, I can't, I can't tell her each person that's a fan of your show but just just know that you are very much beloved um oh that's nice nice. yeah and so you know i think like with each of these episodes like focusing on one theme like i always want to try and make it sort of like relevant to everyone's lives and i think especially right Mm -hmm. now during quarantine people like i know people who move back in with their parents who are living closer to their parents or like people like me like i'm staying away from my parents because they're in their 60s and like i don't want to be like you know traveling back and forth on an airplane and like possibly infecting them and so i feel like this topic of parents is like omnipresent over all our lives and 
I feel like you have such a wonderful relationship with your parents. So I thought it'd be really fun to sort of talk to you about that today. Uh, dear listener, if you're not watching this, Stephanie just made a face like, ooh, is the relationship wonderful? Not totally sure. But that's also like part okay. of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk all the things about it. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say all the things. I mean, your, your relationship with your parents is like, like pretty good, right? I could be better. I feel like because I'm such a workaholic and even now during quarantine, I was like, oh, I'm going to be, you know, talking to them like two, three times a week. I just get so lost in the sauce when it comes to work. And I feel like Mm -hmm. one of the things that I'm trying to work on is not putting my personal relationships aside because I'm busy because it also was just sort of like, yeah, but at the end of the day, like when I'm, you know, 85, I'm not going to be like... I'm so glad I was like, you know, in fucking slack instead of talking to my parents. <laughs> slack. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm trying I'm trying to work on that. But we have a good relationship, but I think I could be a better daughter. Like full just mm. full disclosure. But like mm. and for you, like maybe we could like start at the beginning. Like what is like one of your favorite memories that you have? Um, with you and your parents from when you were growing up? Mm, my favorite memories, I mean, I have, like, scattered, like, happy days of, mm-hmm. like, you know, I grew up outside of Houston um, in a neighborhood called Webster, like, near, near kind of, like, the NASA area. And so we were not that far from Galveston. So what my family, what my family did for vacations because we were poor was we'd go to the beach because mm-hmm. the beach is free. And so <laughs> I have really like good memories of being very little and seeing my dad like in the ocean laughing, getting like, you know, it's a very Texas word, but like tumped over in the waves mm-hmm. and stuff. And like tumped is like tipped and dumped all in one. Um, <laughs> and like my mom packing the cooler and, you know, um, I I have like memories of days that were like that from when I was a kid. They're all usually like near the beach or on the beach. But Mm -hmm. to be honest, like my, my happier memories with my parents are really like as I moved into adulthood because my Mm -hmm. childhood and adolescence were so, can I curse? Yeah, of course. They were so fucking tumultuous, like Mm -hmm. tumultuous is a nice way to put it. But as I moved into adulthood, one of my favorite memories from from my adulthood was I was I was at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. I was um, performing a season there, and I was playing. And the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, if you don't know it, is in Ashland, Oregon. It's mm-hmm. this huge festival every year. They have three stages. They they employ like a hundred over a hundred actors almost every year, and everyone is in repertory. So you're doing like two or three shows all at one time over the course of the summer, and. I was in two plays. One was a new play called American Night, which was about an immigrant's journey um, through American history, like in his imagination, written by this group called Culture Clash. And then the other play was Tennessee Williams' Cat on the Hudson Roof. Mm. And my parents came to visit, and it was the first time that I could like bring them somewhere like on my dime because I had earned my money. And I was like, I'm going to rent them a cute hotel and buy their plane tickets and then um, they're going to see both of my shows in one day. They're going to see Cat on Hudson Roof in the afternoon and American Night that night, right? And 
after the matinee between shows, my dad was just like, I think he was overwhelmed and he was like, he never says things like I love you or I'm proud of you or anything like that. And that day he sort of like, he used to do this thing when I was little, he would put his big hand like all the way around my neck in the back. And he did it to me that day and was like, you really are my American dream. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. And like, it was, I mean, I moved right now thinking about it. Cause like my dad mm-hmm. doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you could dissect like the whole culture of like, latino machismo but like Mm -hmm. it's very difficult for him to express any kind of feelings at all and so that day was just like really special and they were so proud and like everyone knew they were my parents so like people all my friends and like directors and people in the company were like coming up to them and talking like you know like how people do when you work with people and you're nice hopefully they like you and so like my parents just got like bombarded all day through like you know other actors and people like telling them like oh isn't she great oh we love her and I was like that was a really happy memory because I was like so proud of you know not only my work but the fact that they were even there because like Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up with you know we didn't go to the theater because the theater's for rich people because tickets are fucking expensive you know (laughs) so like that was really probably one of a few theatrical experiences that they've had and for me to be on stage for them to see both of those productions was just like that was a really happy memory yeah so like most of my happy memories are rooted in my adulthood because childhood is just like survive yeah and so yeah yeah, I mean, I don't know how deep you want to get because I don't want to like pry. Let's and be, do like... it. <laughs> pry away, pry away. Um, but yeah, I think maybe that's why I was like, oh, she it seems like she has such a wonderful relationship with her parents. I see like now, like mm-hmm. how like just sweet and like you guys look on social media. I'm just like, oh my god, I'm so touched. And so I'm wondering like what your dynamic like what like what your dynamic was like when you were a kid because I know like my dad. I think of my two parents. My dad is like a little more reserved. Like he's a little more quiet. He's like more introspective person. And I think my Uh mom and I take this after her, like she literally like doesn't like anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Like she's always fully over it. Like even me, like she's over me sometimes. Like, like a month ago, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll call you this weekend. She was like, you know, I'm going to like be putting some mulch in the front yard. So I'm like not going to be available this weekend. (laughs) It's just like. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god when you like my mom is like that too because you know you hear stories of moms that will just like drop everything to take mm-hmm. their kids call and I'm like what universe is that because <laughs> I don't know what that is like I, I feel like um yeah my mom my mom is very she's super friendly mm-hmm. she's very outgoing she like she's very chatty she's got a lot of friends she's got a large social group my dad is like has one friend mm-hmm. um you know doesn't isn't isn't the life of the party is much more likely at a family gathering to be like hanging out on the couch now with iPhones he's like usually on his phone yeah he's socially awkward you know like <laughs> socially and just sort of like uncomfortable most of the time I think and he's really funny he has a very dry sense of humor my mom's really funny and goofy but they're very yeah like they they I can appreciate them now more as an adult Mm -hmm. because when I was a kid it was just like it felt so you know me being an immigrant I'm an immigrant and so are my parents and so when we came to U.S. it it was 
so stark. Once I started mm-hmm. school, once I started like kindergarten and first grade, the difference between my parents and everyone else's parents was so drastically different. And if I could see it in all sorts of ways, like the way that, for example, pe- other parents behave toward my parents because mm-hmm. they both have heavy accents. Um, my mom is Bolivian and my dad's Colombian and they both sound like it. You know, my dad is what is considered like a white Latino. So his skin is very white. He looks like a white dude until he opens his mouth. And then you're like, Oh no, no, no you're not white. Like yeah. you something else going on. Um, but that, I think that was difficult for them and me as a kid, because it was like, it was just, they could tell that they were, I, I think they could tell that they were like disappointing me, which is like, I wish you were normal. I wish yeah. you were, you know, I wish you were like the other kids' parents. And then, you know, once you hit your tweens, like you figure out how to hurt your parents. And so you're, then you say it. I wish you were like everyone else's mom and dad. You know, yeah. why can't you be like Chris or Danielle's or Kimmy's mom and dad? Why do you have to be this way? You know, mm-hmm. and that I think was a, like difficult for them. It's so hard to hear your parent to hear your kid be like, "I don't like you." Yeah, especially when those parents have essentially sacrificed everything for their kid to move to this new country. And then you have this asshole 13 year old being like, I hate you. <laughs> so rift city, man, rift city. Yeah. But I, I feel like, you know, cause I was a big asshole as a teenager as well. It's like when you're that age, it's, there's just such a level of like, you're insecure. You're also highly self-absorbed. You're, there's all these mm-hmm. things where like your world is like school and like your friends and being accepted. And so that could sort of like, I don't know, maybe sort of change the way that you view your parents. And so you mm-hmm. take that frustration out on them because on they, them. Yeah. yeah, because they're there, they live with you and you're just like, oh, you're so annoying. And so, you know, did you guys ever like, like have fights or where, when you were say this stuff to your parents, they so just kind of like devastate it and then just be like, okay, I'm not talking to you. Like what? Oh my God. How did it happen? No, it was like knockdown, drag out, wow. violent, telenovela style. I'll push you down the stairs. <laughs> I never loved you. Like yeah. it was the, it was the highest highs of emotional explosiveness between Mm -hmm. myself and my mom, especially it was Mm -hmm. just like, it was, I mean, it was like a tinderbox combustible just every day was like, something was going to go off, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, and I would say, I mean, like I've said this to my parents, so I I feel okay saying it. I, I, I feel like I grew up in a really volatile household Mm -hmm. that, you know, they, and I've, and I've said this to my therapist too. It's like, all parents, but my parents specifically, it's like they had a certain set of skills when yeah. they had a kid yeah, and they were limited by the skills that they had in their toolbox. Mm-hmm. And since the time that they had a kid, their toolbox has grown. They've learned, they've changed. They've, they've really like, gone through their own self-assessment and growth and, and, you know, discovered stuff about the, themselves and the way they raised us and the, and the things and the mistakes that they made. But at that time, when I was 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, yeah. 18, it was, they only knew kind of how to use what they had. And what, unfortunately, what they had was also, you know, um, generationally passed down, sometimes abuse, sometimes violence, sometimes, you know, just 
an inability to like even be able to communicate. And so all those things combined sort of made this perfect storm of like, you know, I, I would like, I would open the door to the apartment every day when I'd come home from school and be like, what's it going to be? You know, like, yeah. what's it going to be today? How did I fuck up today? Or how did they fuck me over? Or, you know, and my poor sister was just two years younger than me. and was just like sitting on the sidelines going like, yeah. <laughs> how do I put this fire out? Like, what do I do? Should I be perfect? Like, I guess that's what I'll do yeah. over here. I'll just be perfect and quiet in the corner, you know? So like the dynamic was, it, it was very, I would say like explosive and volatile, very full of love, but explosive and volatile. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things with parents that I had to sort of learn as I got older is like, when you're, for me, when I was growing up, I was like, you're my parent and that's it. And then as I got older, I was like, mm-hmm. no, they're like, full humans and they had full lives before I came into the picture and like they've been through shit and like both my parents came from like very sort of like toxic super toxic family environments to the point like Uh I don't talk to any of my extended family because it was just like that bad and so it's Uh like you know you like looking at it now, I'm like the fact that they came out of that and like they were to put my brother and I through school and like all the things that they did for us, like I'm like, oh, they're an amazing human beings. But like when yes. I was even like 25, I didn't think that. Like I came into this sort of like understanding in my mid 30s where I'm like, oh my god, they've done so much. And so I'm wondering, oh like, gosh. what point in your life were you able to sort of see your parents as full human beings instead of like these people who were responsible for your, you know, well being growing up? Yeah, I think you're. I think you you said like mid twenties. And I think that's Mm -hmm. sort of where it begins. Mm -hmm. Um, Where you start thinking of the world as like, Oh, right. Like everyone else is doing this too. It's not just me. Everyone else is going through this, some shit. And then I would say like, once I started doing some therapy, really, Mm -hmm. it was like going Mm -hmm. to see a therapist and talking it out with someone that isn't a friend, right. Isn't a, isn't a partner, somebody that's literally paid to help you like navigate and figure out like, how to be human a little better. Um, but that's really like, I would say like once I started therapy and, and seeing them and thinking about, you know, because a lot of times in therapy, like what you start to do is like, think about your own like inner child or like mm-hmm. what the things that you learned or discovered or were told that were ultimate truths when you were tiny. Right. And then you start thinking, oh my God, like my, my parents also had that experience. Yeah. Like they're not just my mom and dad. They were also children at one time, like mm-hmm. tiny children looking around for guidance and love the same way that we are. And so that I think was very, that was very moving to me to figure out, you know, to figure that out, to start thinking about them that way. And like my mom's mom died when she was 10. Wow. So, and, and like, she never talks about it. She still is like emotionally, like really um, raw about it, you know, because nobody ever helped her. Like no one ever helped her. She didn't have like, you know, like now there's like children's books written about this stuff, like, you know, and like children's therapists and, and all sorts of resources and the internet. And like, my mom didn't have that. It was just like, oh, your mom died. Like, that's it. We don't discuss it we're not going to talk about it it's too sad for everyone to deal with we're just moving on which is like a 10 year old like how do you what you know 
Yeah. So yeah, I think like I think about that a lot when I'm when my brain wants to make the jump to like, oh my god, my mom's an asshole. It's like your mom's doing her best, like yeah. literally her best. She's doing it right now. Yeah. Um. What? Um. So once you start going on this journey of like, oh, okay, I'm gonna see my parents a little bit differently. How do you think that it maybe like helped change the way you were able to relate to your parents? Oh my god. Um. That is a really good question. I think it changed everything. I mean, I didn't blame them anymore. I didn't have any, in the same way that you said, you know, holy shit, my parents put myself and my brother through school and like mm-hmm. did all these, like look at what they did. Meanwhile, they were dealing with like trauma and toxicity and they like, they still did that. That's sort of how I feel about my parents now, which is like, holy shit. Like they really, they did it. Yeah. Like they, they, I mean, like I get upset if like I get a ticket on my car, you know, I'm like, oh yeah. my God, devastated. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, these motherfuckers are like trying to get their American citizenship. Like it took my dad like 11 years to do that. What? You know, like just 11 years. And that's when it was easier too. That's wow. when it was like, when the process was a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, and he did it. He did it. You know, it's like they, they, my dad was a, my dad in South America was a chemical engineer. And when he moved to the U.S., it was, like, impossible for him to get hired mm. with his degree. It was just, like, impossible. So, like, instead, he, like, drove trucks. He worked in, like, a um, an office, like, creating dentures. Like, he did. Mm. They, they, I, I have this one memory of, like, waking up in the back of our Ford Bronco. It was, like, I was, I woke up and I was, like, I'm in the back of the Bronco. I'm in the back of the car. My sister's asleep next to me in a sleeping bag. And my parents were delivering papers. Like, that's what they were doing wow. to, like, make it happen, you know? And so I was like, they did so much. So now, as an adult, I'm like, I. it makes me, like, extremely grateful for them. It makes me completely um, w- way more patient with them. Mm-hmm. It makes my threshold for their bullshit, like, <laughs> that much more, you know? I'm like, all right, that's okay, that's okay. And it makes me, like... It, it influences my, the way that I, I think I behave, like, for example, like on set or with jobs or with anything, it influences me because like, I'm not, I'm not there to complain. I'm not there to fucking be a diva. I'm not there to like yeah. that. And that shit is like, get out of here with that. I don't care. Like, I'm not interested. You know, if I see other people engaging in that behavior, I just like go like, okay, I'm just going to put my energy somewhere else because I don't have time for that because like, I'm not interested, you know, because if, if my parents had been given the same opportunities that I've been given because of my parents, Mm -hmm. what could they have done? You know? So yeah, it makes me, it may, it just take it. Figuring out that my parents were adults with failures and, and shortcomings that Mm -hmm. they were just trying to move through gives me so much more perspective about them as human beings and allows me to look at the things that annoy me or make me mad or, you know, piss me off with a softer lens around them Mm -hmm. with a lot more patience around them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think like, you know, I can't imagine being a a chemical engineer and then coming to the States and not being able to pursue this passion that you work so hard and dedicated so much Mm -hmm. of your life to. Do you feel like, like, did your dad ever make it known how frustrating that was? Or do you think he always was the one to put on a brave face and just be like, it, you know, it is what it is. I'm just going to do this now. Like, 
What Mm -hmm. was the energy around that? You know, he didn't communicate about it. And I imagine, I mean, I don't want to put words in my dad's mouth, but I I imagine there was a great amount of like frustration and shame around that because, you know, how could there not be? But he didn't communicate that, you know, because he didn't, he didn't and may still not have the ability to do that. Um, So, yeah, it was just like he just kind of worked as hard as he could to do the things that he could do, you know, and, and, and to, to get the jobs that he could get hired for, which like, you know, I don't think I understood at the time, all of the things that were stacked against him, like immigrant accent, Latino in Texas, you know, it's like there, I mean, like, so it was just like the cards were just stacked. And so he just did his best to like barrel through and try to try to do it as much as he could, you know, and continually telling my sister and I that like, whatever you want to do is fine versus like, you have to do this, you have to do that or, you know, whatever it is. It's like, my sister is an artist. I'm an artist. Like that's not normally a path that mm-hmm. I think parents are excited about their children taking, you yeah. know, <laughs> they're, they're very intent. Like they're, they get afraid. I think most parents, when you say like, Oh, I want to be an actress. It's like, oh, no, you know, <laughs> please don't. Um, but they didn't, they were very supportive of that from the jump, which is really amazing considering, considering how they moved through the world and felt oftentimes like people didn't see their value it's like well she sees her own value somehow we've taught her that let's just let her do the thing and see if it works yeah yeah so how old were you when you because my parents are also very supportive of me doing stand-up so how old were you when you were like okay mom dad I want to be an actress this is what I want to do I was 17 wow how old were you uh how old were you? 20 23 going on 24 so a little bit of a late bloomer were- were you in New York when you when you were like, yeah. I'm going to do that? Yeah, I was like um, working as an assistant at this independent film company and my friend didn't want to take a stand-up class by herself. And so she was like, just do it with me. And I was like, no, because I truly didn't really care about stand-up. I didn't really go to stand-up mm-hmm. shows. And she was just like, you hate your life, you hate your job, just like do this with me. And I was like, well, when you put it that way, okay. And then that really sort of changed everything. But um, that's so amazing that your parents were just like, yes, do that. Go for it. And like, I mean, that certainly must have like even given you more confidence that like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pursue this thing because my parents have my back. Would you say that's accurate? I mean, yeah, I think they were nervous. They were definitely Mm -hmm. like, I I think they felt like, you know, (laughs) You ever have like a a girlfriend that's like dating somebody that you do not like, and you're just like, I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut, and she's gonna figure it out, and then when she figures it out and comes back to me, then I'll be there for her. But until then, I'm gonna grind my teeth. But that's, I think that that's what they were doing. I think they were like, okay, because if we tell her not to, she's gonna throw herself into it, do it anyway, and not ever call us, right? Yeah. So I think that they were like. Okay, you know, and then when I went to school, I went to college. Um, I chose to go to a women's college in Columbia, Missouri called Stevens, and they had a really good theater program. And I think once I got accepted into that college, mm-hmm. and the college did give me like quite a few scholarships, I think my parents felt like, oh, okay, so other people also believe that she yeah. is capable <laughs> of this. Like she's been, she's been signed off by like the, the, you know, collegiate system it's not going to be that terrible let's just let her try and I think like they I mean 
So yeah, it was partially like I feel supported, but it's more like I don't, I feel like I'm not being locked out of this as a choice. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I can prove it to them. At a certain point, I'll be able to prove it to them. And I did. Yeah. And what what does your sister do? You said she's an artist. She's an artist. She's a graphic designer. And, like, uh, she, she, like, kind of gets hired on, like, different projects and stuff. But she's just a really talented illustrator and designer. And she did our wedding invitations. She's, like, really good. Yeah. She's great. She's really great. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, so sweet. She, she also has, like the highest self-esteem of anyone I've ever met because she's not on social media so like Ooh. it is wild I'm telling you it's like like anytime I like complain about myself or say something bad about myself she's like whatever you're gorgeous you're fabulous we're both fabulous we look great I'm like where do where does this come from and she's like I don't know I don't, I don't know it, could, it comes from her not like being on her phone comparing herself to other people's lives you know yeah. like it's amazing it's yeah. amazing so growing up, were you and sister sort of like double trouble? Like what was your relationship to each other and especially with your parents? Because my brother and I were always getting into some like bullshit that we shouldn't be doing. And then I would like flip and rat him out. And like that's like <laughs> what we were Are doing. Are you younger kids. than him? Yeah, he's four years older. And so he was like really excited to have a little sister and have like a little mm-hmm. buddy system. And so we were just always doing, you know, little kid stuff that we shouldn't be doing. Yeah, that was similar. And Jenny yeah. would do the same thing. She'd rat me out. She'd be like, it was Stephanie's idea. <laughs> the little ones always rat the older ones out because they're like, they know there's going to be consequences. Mm-hmm. And the older, it feels like the older one is like stronger or something. And it's not really true. We're just like a little bit bigger. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we were like, we were very creative. We spent a lot of time by ourselves because mm-hmm. my mom and dad worked a lot. So we were constantly you know, doing something weird and creative. We would like collage a lot. My sister was an amazing artist. So a lot of, a lot of time spent indoors a lot. I didn't learn how to ride a bike until I was 27. Like most of the time, thank you. I'm proud of that accomplishment. But most (laughs) of the time we were like inside reading, drawing, making up games, playing with each other. We had this Fisher Price tape recorder that was like this big brown, like very seventies looking brown. And it just, you could put a tape cassette into it, close it, press record, and you could record yourself because it had a little microphone on the outside. And we would do these like very long radio shows where we would put on different voices and I would like interview her. So we spent a lot of time together as kids. She was like my main, my main friend, I, I think I would say. And then once we got to high school, it was like, my life just became like me and my mom like this. Mm-hmm. And my sister was just like, Ugh. and then my mom told me later that when I left for college, did, did this happen to you? When I left for college, Jenny was still in high school. So you must have been starting high school when your brother left for college. Yeah, I was a freshman went, went when away. he was a senior. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you feel abandoned? Did you feel excited? Were you like, yes, I'm my own self now. I'm not in his shadow. Like, how did you feel when that happened? Yeah, he was definitely, like, the cool one. Like, I, what is he? he? got, like, a four-point-something GPA. Like, he was just, like, he played sports. and Like, he was really cool. And so I was happy to not be in his shadow, but definitely did feel like, oh, he's, like, an adult now, air quotes. And I'm, like, this teen. Like, it just felt like, oh, we have different lives now because mm-hmm. he's off in college mm-hmm. in D.C. and I'm still in Ohio, mm-hmm. like, sort of hating myself. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Just breeze past that, hating myself. But um Just hating myself in in, in high school. Like oh, Yeah. If you didn't hate yourself in high school, I don't know what to say. I mean, congratulations. I'm not sure. <laughs> If you didn't hate yourself in high school, I don't, I really don't know how, I mean, like maybe you've moved through that part of your life in, in your twenties. I don't know. Is that bitterness that's creeping into my voice? Anyway, my sister, <laughs> my sister missed me a lot. And yeah. my mom only, my mom told me this story one time that Jenny was, I don't, I think this is true. That Jenny was crying like in her room, now her own room, because we shared a room growing up, that Jenny was crying. And my mom went in there and was like, Wrong? Are you okay? And Jenny was like, "How's Stephanie gonna make it in college? She doesn't even know how to buy an egg." And like, my mom was like, <laughs> "Like, what the hell? Oh my, ear pods are gonna die. I don't know what's gonna happen when that happens. Oh no." Anyway, okay. Oh, is your AirPod dying? I mean, I heard that little noise where they're like, "Boop, boop, 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 boop." Oh yeah, we got we got some time, right? Okay, good. Yeah, we we can get. I don't there. know. I don't know how it works. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how it works. I'm not a I'm not, I'm not an AirPod um, engineer. <laughs> you mean you don't work at Apple in your spare time, just sort of up to date no. on? <laughs> you know, what if I did? What if just for fun that I like worked at Apple? I'm like, hi, how can I help you today? But like, you look like that. Does this ever happen to you? Oh, that that happened to us in New York. Remember when we we saw each other on the street? Yes. And I was like, that looks like. I don't, I don't want to be rude and be like, yeah. I don't know. And then I got in that Uber and then we DM'd each other and we're like, did I just see you on the yeah. street? And we're like, yes! Because I like looked, not busted, but I was definitely, it was not a glam day. You know what you I mean? You look was- cute. You had that cool jumpsuit thing on or something. Oh, I remember your thanks. outfit was cool. Yeah, your outfit was cool. That day, that day that I saw you, your outfit was cool. Thank you. Yeah, but yeah. that was so funny. I was like, I think that's her. But I'm like, I don't want to be weird. And it was so cute that we had that. Like, if this was a rom-com, that would be the perfect sort of meet cute. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the rom-com about, like, lady friendships? I don't know where that rom-com is. It's always about a dude. I know. I guess that's dudes. why it's a rom-com. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. I'm so, I'm so exhausted by all portrayal, almost all portrayals of women in media. I'm just like... What are we doing? Are what we really would you still change? What would you change? I mean, I can't remember who said it. And it was probably like a tweet that I thought was amazing. But somebody said, you know, this is why everyone loves The Real Housewives. Because you're watching six women that have like really deeply complex personalities. And none of them are perfect. All of them have failings. But all of them also individually are charming and mm-hmm. hilarious and wonderful and sometimes really loving and sometimes really giving. And then other times you're like, you are an evil, heinous bitch, you know? <laughs> That's what I would change. I would change yeah. the, the, the idea that only men can have a Breaking Bad, Heisenberg mm-hmm. style sort of existence where, you know, the women always have to be like good at heart, you know, which is like, Yes, most people are good at heart, and some people are good at heart and do evil fucking shit. Yeah. So, like, that's what I would change. I want to see more, like, everyone always has, like, ooh, cool, complex female characters, and it's like, yes, but more. Yes, yeah. and more, 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 you know? Yeah. That's what I would change most, mostly. It's that. Yeah. I second that. Yeah. Um, Thanks. 
Wait, so I want to get back to parents real quick before we go into okay. audience questions. Um, Great. So, <laughs> so now that Great. you're grown AF, um, mm-hmm. what would you say? Because the older I get, the more I go like, oh, my God, I'm just like my dad in this way. I'm like, oh, my God, I oh sound God. just like my mom. And so I'm curious, like, what are the things that you realize you have gotten from your parents that are A, good, be hilarious and see like, oh no, I didn't want that trade, but I have it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, a good, I, I got my mom's, um, I think empathy for other people. Mm-hmm. And I got my, I got my dad's sort of excitement about, um, new projects or new things. Um, hilarious. Um, hmm. I mean, I got, (laughs) I got my mom's like true, like, uh, deep love for all things like makeup and nails and hair Mm -hmm. and stuff. It doesn't always like, it's not executed as like fully as my mother executes on a daily basis. But like, I do love it. Like I love, I mean, I know some actresses and some some people don't like to do red carpets. But I think it's really mm. fun. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's fun to have hair and makeup and it's like fun to like go choose an outfit with your stylist. And it's, it's like exciting and fun. And it's like something special, you know, it's like, it's like getting ready to like go to the ballet or something or like, it just always feels yeah. like, woo, like it's, it's fun. Um, so I definitely get that from my, my mom, which is, which I think is hilarious because when I was a kid, I was like, this is bullshit. You're just subscribing to like the patriarchy's idea of what you should be. And like, you know, now yeah. I'm like, that is cool. I love these heels. Um, <laughs> my dad, my dad's dry sense of humor, I think is mm. like the thing that I've uh, gotten from him that I think is, is truly hilarious because most of the time when he, it's me, my mom, my sister and him. So like my, my husband, Brad pointed out like, after the second time hanging out with my dad, he was like, your dad is like riffing in the corner, like hitting these one-liners that are so funny and y'all don't even hear him because you're just like, like talking over him. And he's just like in the corner, just like deadpan one-liner after deadpan one-liner and no one hears him and he's fucking hilarious. And I was like, I will pay attention to that. And sure enough, he's right. Yeah. Like I just didn't, you know, I'm like, everyone's like, ah! So, um, and then the bad, I guess, is like, I inherited my dad's oily skin, which fun for me. <laughs> Extra fun challenge being on camera was this. We love it. We love it. <laughs> Relatable but annoying. And then the bad from my mom. Um, the bad from my mom is what? I have a. I can have a very short temper because mm. I. I definitely like was around someone who, you know, like there's always, there's the thing that happens. There's the space between there's the stimulus and then there's the response. Right. And so like, there's a space between the stimulus and the response. And if you don't take the moment to just like float in that space and go like, how do I want to respond to this really? You know, then there's danger of being like, shitty or sharp or nasty or like mm-hmm. defensive and that's something that I'm really working on as an adult because I want to I want to live in that space and make sure that the that the people in my life that I'm responding to whether it's like somebody at work whether it's my partner whether it's my friends like 
if I'm triggered by something, I need to, I want to continue to work on like staying in the space and deciding like, how do I respond to this person to tell them that like they made me mad or they pissed me off or that I feel defensive or whatever it is versus, versus what my mom does, which is like, it's like immediate. She's just like, <laughs> it's like you say something to my mom and if it makes her mad, you're just, you said it. And then suddenly you're like, Oh, I'm bleeding. You stabbed me. Like you didn't even feel the knife go in. You know what I mean? My mom is just like, Gah! like, and I'm capable of doing that. And I would prefer to harness that and put it into my work versus into my actual life. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I'm quick tempered as well. And I've worked on it a lot just because my boyfriend is from the UK and like he's Brits don't respond to like alpha they aggression. Live in the space. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're like in, they live, the whole British society is living in the space between stimulus and response. <laughs> <laughs> no shade, British bake-off, no shade. <laughs> it's so true. So I would get like worked up and he would just be sitting there like, I don't know what you want me to say to the, like what this display is. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested. I don't have mm -hmm. language to like engage in this. So you can just get worked up and I'll just be quiet and drink some tea. <laughs> <laughs> what a gift. What a gift for you. Truly. I'm you like, just like spin out. What do I do? You're supposed to come back at me with something. Right? Yeah. Otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I understand. Whew. For the better. Yeah. For the better. For the um, better. For the better. So now it's time for audience questions. Which I'm very audience excited cues. about. This wait. is really, really good. Okay. So ooh, let me see. Which one do I want to start with? Um, ooh, these are all so juicy. Okay. I'll do this one. This is from, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> not juicy, but just like legit. That made it seem like way good. more okay. scandalous. And okay, this isn't okay, like okay. scandalous. Yeah, yeah, this isn't like okay. a Real Housewife reunion show. Like, there's gonna, it's not. Okay, out of got control. it. <laughs> what did I think of Erica Jane's outfit in Rome? <laughs> well, let me tell you. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> okay, so Michelle um, in Washington um, writes, "Hey Stephanie, I'm a 30 year old living in my hometown for work." How do I set boundaries with um, needy slash toxic parents? Ooh. Ooh, Michelle, my heart goes out to you. Um, living at home, she said? Uh, in the same hometown. So same hometown. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's easier. That's easier. Wow, Michelle. Um, I think, I think one of the things that uh that you can do as an adult is like you don't have to tell everybody your real schedule you know like you don't have to tell your parents what your actual work schedule is you can tell mm -hmm. them a more generalized idea of your work schedule or your or like what's going on in your personal life or you know like it's it's only their business if you decide to share it with them and mm -hmm. like that's a hard thing to remember because like Oh, but they care about me. They're asking my, you know, they're asking me like what's going on in my life. And like, yes, but it's, it, they don't need to know everything, you know, yeah. they don't need to know every single person that you've gone on a date with or, or, you know, what you're doing over the weekend. They can have a general idea. So I would say like the first thing is like, remember that your parents are really on a need to know basis. Like, and, 
And it and it's also okay to say things like, okay, I'm hanging up now. Like that's actually an okay thing to say. Mm. As long as you do it in a, like a calm sort of like I find that like laughter is a great balm, you know? Mm-hmm. So if your mom or dad says something to you that feels invasive, like questioning wise, you can just be like, Okay, I don't think I want to talk about that anymore. I have to go. I'm hanging up now. Thank you so much for calling. I love you. Bye. Click. Like yeah. that you can do it, you know? Um yeah it's hard it's establishing boundaries with parents is like it will not ever end you will have to continually like they will find the chinks in the fence and they will come on wiggle on through Mm -hmm. and you have to be like I gotta mend that part of the fence because you can't come in here this isn't for you you know yeah it's continuous yeah I think that's good to remember that it's always lifelong and it's going to change and I think Mm -hmm. like I don't want to like read too much into Michelle's question but I'm also wondering if like maybe there is some level of like guilt where it's like, oh, if I put up these boundaries, am I going to like hurt them by doing hurt that? Them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I yeah. would say if you have, if you sit down and just have an honest conversation with your parents and just say like, this is just what I need in my life for right now. This may not be forever, but for like the mm-hmm. next sort of like, I don't know, six months, a year, I just need to have this amount of space. I think that your parents will come around to it even if they do initially go like oh my child it feels like oh my child is saying I don't want me around um yeah my child saying I don't want you around like I think they will understand that like you're trying to do what's good for you yes yes eventually yes yeah depends on like the level of guilt that they engage in (laughs) yeah but it's also like not your responsibility to assuage their guilt. Like it really is your responsibility to like really take care of yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that is, a, it sounds like, you know, being in the same hometown is probably like, there's probably a lot of like pop buys, like there's probably a lot of like, well, we baked you an extra casserole and we just wanted to bring it over and see what yeah. who else is here. Is anyone else here? You know, like <laughs> there's probably some of that going on. So it's okay to establish, like, it's okay if you guys come by. You just need to call me, like, you know, beforehand mm-hmm. so I know that you're coming so I can make sure that, like, you know, that I'm in a place where I can talk to you, that I'm not in the middle of work or something else, you know? Yeah. Like, it's hard. It's really hard with parents that, like, want to be up in your business. Yeah. It's difficult. Well, good luck, Michelle. I think that was really good advice. Good luck, Michelle. Yeah. Um, yeah, we did okay. great. Yeah. Um, so our we did next- great. <laughs> Our next question is from Claire in Vancouver. Uh, she just has a lot of short questions. First question, okay. coming out as bi slash pan, slash pan to parents, how did you do it? Did it take time? Did they validate your identity? Like Claire wants the tea. Like how did mm. it happen? Claire, um, I told my sister first. My sister said, God bless her, but she said, well, don't tell mom and dad. I was like, oh, okay, why? And she's like, well, you don't want them to freak out if they don't have anything to freak out over. And I was like, what kind of response is that? Like, (laughs) I don't know what that even means. So I didn't tell my parents for a long time. And then I came out publicly first, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And then then I had a conversation with my mom. And she said, well, I think your dad's going to be really disappointed. And he's worried about you. And I was like, okay, well, um... Well, he already knows because I did it publicly. So I don't need to have a discussion with him because if you're telling me that he's going to be upset with me, I don't need that. I don't need to have that. So like as an adult to do that was different than it would be like, I mean, I would never have done that when I was a kid because I wouldn't have felt like 
when I was a kid, I would have been nervous that I was going to get kicked out of the house or something. Um, and it did take a long time. It took like a long time for my parents to be accepting and, and supportive. Um, it was at first it was just like, we didn't, we just didn't talk about it, but I continued to talk about it in the press and media. And then when season five of Brooklyn nine, nine came around, they, they watch every episode. My parents watch every episode. So they watched the episode where my character came out to her parents and it was modeled very much after some of the things my parents had already said in conversations, Mm -hmm. some of the things that I'd heard other Latinos say that their parents had expressed. Um, Cause I, I was really wanting it to feel really authentic. So after that episode, they also said nothing. And then mm-hmm. someone asked me this sim- a similar question in a press interview at Comic-Con. And I was very honest. And I said, you know, my parents watch every episode and they usually call me or text me and say like, great job or whatever. And after that episode, they didn't say anything. And so I'm just allowing them to come to me when they're ready and they might never be ready, but that's okay. And then my dad texted me like a month later and was like, I was on Google and I found this interview with you and, and, uh, Hey, uh, it says that you think maybe I'm not proud of you. And then I'm not even kidding. He literally used the language that we use in the, in the episode of Brooklyn nine, nine, which was like, I love you no matter what. Like, I think that that's what Danny Trejo's character said to me. And my dad said it in the text and I was like, Oh, he's really like, he's really trying and paying attention. So it can be a long process, but if that's what, I think if that's what you want to do, if you want to be out, and I encourage everyone to be out because it's very freeing and wonderful. But if, what was her name again? Claire from Vancouver. Claire, if you're buying pan or buy or pan or both or either, if you want to come out to your parents, I'd say like, you'd be surprised actually how accepting your parents can be. It might take them a long time, but they love you and like they want to be near you they want to see what you're doing they want to they want to be part of your life even if they act like they don't sometimes and like you know it it's been a bit of a long road but like they're they're they are now my parents are very like open about it and like interested in it and and supportive of it and and that's not something that I could have imagined like five years ago, six, six years ago, 10 years ago. Are you kidding? Yeah. When I was 15, like I like never, I could never imagine it. And here, here we are. So, yeah. yeah. That's incredible. And do you think that like, were you like, okay, I want to tell my sister first because I think that will be the easiest in order to sort of like work yourself up to telling your parents. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally what it was. It was like, yeah. well, I can tell her cause I know she likes, LGBTQ people and no she doesn't have any judgment or prejudice against anyone that's in that community but I think when once she responded like oh no don't tell mom and dad it's like oh no even she is nervous about yeah how they're going to respond you know even though she completely accepts and loves me the first thing out of her mouth is, is fear-based you know mm-hmm. like which I understand but it sucked when it happened yeah yeah all right. Well, we yeah. wish you the best of luck, Claire. We think you got this. It's going to take time. Claire, you, you can do it. it. You got it. Okay. Uh, ooh, okay. So I think I'm going to butcher this person's name. So apologies Great. in advance. Arian, A-U-R-I-A-N. Arian, right? Orian, Arian? 
Orion, Orion, Arian, Arian. Ooh, maybe not Arian. Uh, maybe not Arian. Um. Anyway, cut that. Cut that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so we love your name. It's beautiful. It's so great. Such a great name. Okay, so this person writes: How do you handle parents' concern about becoming too American? Balance can be hard. That's a great question. I love this question mm, that so That is a much. good question. Yeah. That is a good question. I mean, I don't know. That's that's so um, subjective. It's such mm-hmm. a subjective thing to say to Americans. Like, what does that mean? Is that that you're wearing a MAGA hat? In which case, you are, quote unquote, too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm assuming that what that means. As an immigrant, I'm going to assume what that means. And what I'm assuming that what that means is like, you're not interested in your cultural or ethnic heritage. You are not interested in maybe your parents' first language. Um, you're not interested in, you know, stuff that can tie you back to where your family's roots might be from. And like, you know, I think when I was younger, I could have cared less. I mean, like it was more like assimilate and survive. And now as, as a person that's, growing into herself continually, but like is really an adult, I would say like if if you're if you wanna handle it in a way that feels true to you, but also feels like you might be like giving a gift to your parents, I would say like engage in it a little bit more. Ask questions about like your mom and dad's lives before you, you know, to bring it back around to something we were talking about earlier. It's like Ask them about where they're from. Ask them about their hometowns. Ask them about where they were born. Ask them about their most fun memories of being children. Like, did they have inside childhoods, outside mm-hmm. childhoods? What were their friend groups like? What did they? What was the first thing that they did was that was like they knew it was against the rules in the house, but they did it anyway. You know, like yeah. engage with their past because their their past is a connection to their cultural heritage. Um, and then if it's like a language, like. I'm not telling my parents this, but like, I'm okay at Spanish, but I'm going to take some Spanish lessons because I want to be better at it. Because every Aww. time I speak to them in Spanish, their faces light up, you know? So I want to connect to that part of myself. So I would say like, find a middle ground, like tell them that like, you are American. I mean, this, this person's American, right? Like, so am I, so are you. Like, yeah. we're here, we're American. And, and there are things that are specifically American, good and bad, but that like, mm-hmm. That's part of you, but also what's part of you is this other stuff, this like this DNA and blood that runs through your veins that's from another place. So enjoy that and celebrate it and like start to dip your toe in, in the water of like examination and exploration to that part of yourself because it's powerful. Your ancestral history is so powerful. It's like it is magic. It's like it is real magic. Like and if you want access to that magic, you have to be willing to investigate that part of yourself and your family oh that was such a great answer stephanie thank you oh my god thank you um okay we just have a couple more questiones okay so this is from yvonne in puerto rico any Mm. tips on how to deal with strict and conservative parents Ooh, i don't know um that's a really hard one that's yeah. really hard. Uh, 
I mean, you won't live there forever um, if you live with them. But also, like, something that I said earlier, it's like, you know, try to find grace for them because, like, their, their, their toolbox is, if they're really strict and conservative, then their toolbox is really small, you know? Mm-hmm. They're working with a very rigid set of rules for themselves, for you, and for everyone else in existence. And that's hard because that doesn't allow for a lot of flexibility. It doesn't allow yeah. for a lot of growth. You know, like, and, and flexibility and growth are, like, part of the human experience. Like, that's hard. I mean, if you live with them, try to, like, you know, try to stay in the rules, but also be yourself. So that's mm-hmm. a really hard one, too. That's such a challenge. I mean, were your parents really strict? They weren't really strict, but they were definitely, like, so they weren't conservative. They were sometimes strict. Like, I wasn't allowed to go to, like, any sleepovers. Like, I just truly was, like, I went to school and then I came home. And, like, I have Mm -hmm. friends, but it was truly, like, we don't, my parents, like, we don't trust anybody. So you're going to, (laughs) like, so you're going to be here. Uh, Yep. Yep. Um, and, And so, like. There are moments, like, even now as an adult, where I'm like, oh, would it have been different if I was, like, allowed to go to, like, house parties in high school or allowed to do this or that? But then I also look at it and I think, like, I am such a responsible person because Mm -hmm. of my parents being very, like, strict about, like, Mm -hmm. making sure you're on point. And so while I didn't have my, you know, wild child phase, I think I'm okay with that, you know? I think it all balances out in the end. Yeah, same. I mean, I think I I think because my parents instilled in me this like, I mean, same. Not very many sleepovers. Only if they've met both parents. Mm-hmm. Where's the dad gonna be? You know, like mm-hmm. they were very like. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it actually ended up giving me, uh, a much more responsible brain than I think I would have had otherwise. If I had just been like one of those kids, were like. You know, if you guys are going to drink, then do it in the house. It's like none of my friends were like that. You know, I yeah. was not allowed to hang out with people like that. So I think it, it definitely taught me it. There's there's a certain amount of like being in a um, very strict household will teach you, which is like, I mean, take you, for example, like look at how much work you create and do and like the things that you're making and like putting out in the world. You have to be disciplined to do that. I mean, you can be yeah. talented and not be disciplined and none of that shit will get made. That's and true. you've, you've made this like, you know, this empire for yourself. Like you've really done that. And like, you couldn't do that if you were lazy. <laughs> like, yeah. Not all the time, you know, like, yeah. so you add talented, disciplined, and then like, you really can like get a lot of shit done. Like, it's amazing. Oh, thank you for saying that. That was so nice. (laughs) I mean, it's true. It's just true. I'm just a truth teller. I'm just telling the truth. (laughs) Okay. So our last question comes all the way from India, which I was like, oh my gosh. Wow. I know. Isn't that crazy? Okay. So I asked for the pronunciation of this name, but I probably will jack it up too. I think the way you pronounce it is Ishita. Ishita. Which is, I think... Gorgeous. So I hope that's correct. (laughs) Um, I liked it. So I think this is a great question because I think both of our parents support our passion. So she wants to know, what do you do when your parents don't support your passion? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, 
is your passion to be a serial killer? Because if so, then <laughs> I side with your parents. <laughs> but if, I mean, if your passion is like something that you really are excited about and like feeling good about, then like, I don't know. I mean, like follow it, like follow mm-hmm. your dream. I mean, you know, hopefully it doesn't, hopefully following your dream doesn't cause like a huge un unbridgeable like chasm chasm yeah. chasm i never know how to say it between you and your parents yeah i yeah. mean i think what could help what i always try to whenever i talk to friends who are going through this i always try to remember like 99 percent of the time your parents not being supportive of your passion is not coming from a place of them wanting you to fail and not be happy. Mm-hmm. It's coming from mm-hmm. a place of them being scared that you won't succeed yes. the way that you want it to succeed. Yeah. So I think that like, once you recognize that, I think it'll make it less like your parents are the villain and you're the hero. And it's more like they just don't quite understand because they're scared. Mm-hmm. And so you could sort of like walk them through it. But I also think it's really valuable to sort of find a support system outside of your parents and like, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's like a chosen family or like those couple of friends who like you're, those are the two people who are going to know like truly what you want to do with your life. Lean on those people. Because I think to just try and go along without anyone sort of having your back, I think is just too hard. Yeah. That's really hard. That's like, that's almost impossible to do all. It's so it's so hard to do anything without any kind of support, especially yeah. something like following your dreams or mm-hmm. passions, and you know the two 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 of the people in the world that you look up to slash love the most are like mm, we're not buying this, you know. But you're absolutely right. Like you're absolutely right. It does come that ninety nine percent of the time it's not because your parents are monsters. It's because they're afraid and they love you so much and they don't want you to fail because yeah. they're worried. But also like failure is okay like actually like that's the thing is like it's so scary sometimes because you're like I don't know I don't want to mess up and like I, I'm like and it, it all has to go great like because I risked it all which is like it doesn't have to go great it could like yeah. it could be better than this even it could be better than the thing that you imagined it could be better than you even imagined it could be something completely different I mean you just don't know but like if you don't if you don't go after, if you don't try and like possibly fail, then you won't know what it could have been at all. Yeah. So, yep. you know, I think just try and have a conversation with your parents. Maybe it'll just be mm-hmm. an ongoing series of conversations with mm-hmm. your parents and, and don't let that stop you still go for your passion, even if they don't yeah. get it yet. Cause one day, yeah. hopefully fingers crossed, they will get it and they understand will. and be like, Oh, okay. I see what you're doing now. It makes yeah. sense. And yeah. I'm so proud of you. You know? Yeah. 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 That's the ideal. Yeah. That's the ideal. Well, Stephanie, this has been so good. I'm so glad. I'm so I glad. I would get are- nervous. I'm like, Am I going to be an okay guest on this podcast? Like, is it going to be okay? What? Am I going to do it a good job? Like, but I, that was so easy to be um, real. Like, it just, you, you make it so easy to be, like, real. It's fun. Oh, thank you. Well, you're so yeah. personable. You're so wise and smart and funny. So I knew that this was going to be a breeze, honestly. Yay. Yay. 
<laughs> okay, babe, was that not so cute? It was... It reminded me a lot of my childhood, you know, mm, her which conversations. Part? I was a little shit growing <laughs> up. And I would get in so many arguments with my, my poor mum. Mm -hmm. Like, so many arguments. I remember when I was, like, 17 or 18, I was learned to drive mm -hmm. and she still had a curfew on me it was just like you've got to be home by 10 p.m and i was just like fuck that <laughs> oh my gosh what time did you get home i'll just be like i'm staying i'm staying out all night like i was just i'll be like at a friend's house staying over or something that is some white nonsense <laughs> you cannot just tell your black ass parents i'm just gonna stay out so what would your mom do was she like worried I don't think she was worried because she knew where I was. I was around my friend Max's house. Yeah. And like, she knew where I was. She knew what I probably was up to. And it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to stay out and I'll be home tomorrow. You would come home the next day? Yeah. Yeah. And there's always been an argument involved. And yeah. Oh my God, Bake Off. You're such a little ball buster. I know. What were you up to? Smoking that ganja? Yeah, smoking, drinking, drinking. Yeah. Looking at porno mags. Well, not together. I don't know. <laughs> the Beatles freaking jerked off. That's very true. With each other. They probably wanted to jerk each other off, but they were scared. So you, we should probably get back on track. On that. <laughs> I'm just saying, when Paul dropped that bombshell, they all like just sat in a circle and jade off. I'm like, that's not where this story ends. That is truly the prologue, bitch. What really happened, Paul? Email him. <laughs> is it uh, paulmccartney at gmail.com? If it's not that, it's definitely mccartney.pool at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Stephanie, you were great. And Bake Off, as much as you gave your mom such a like hard time as a kid, like you've turned out so great. Aww. And she loves you so much. Mm hmm and it's like, it was worth it. Like the headache you gave her That's was it. worth Going it. Going back to what you guys were discussing, you get to like your mid-twenties and then your relationship with your family becomes a lot stronger. Mm -hmm. And you re and you realize that when you're growing up, your mother's just an authority figure or your mm -hmm. parents are just an authority figure and you forget that they're actually a person mm -hmm. and they're trying their best and going through a lot more shit than you realize. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, if you guys enjoyed this episode and it, like, warmed your heart and made you want to reach out to your fam jam, do that. The holidays can be tough for a lot of people, so we should all just be grateful for the good people that we have in our lives. Um, okay, well, I think it's time for credits. Credit time? Host, Phoebe Lynn Robinson. Producers, Phoebe Lynn Robinson and British Bake Off, at the top British Bake Off, theme song, Gavin Turek, Intense, oh. Sasha and Malia Obama. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Enjoy your cranberry sauce and your sweet potato pie.